Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. My friends, um, I was sitting around preparing for this show and reading all the latest economic estimations of what was going to happen here in 2023 and there's a lot of them out there and I'll probably share them with you on another date because I read more and more and more and listened to videos and more and more and more I just came to the conclusion it doesn't really matter they don't really know which way it's going to go they can't decide in fact they're they're torn right now and almost all the economists and all the naysayers and brokers and everybody out there is torn between, well, is inflation coming down? Is that a good thing for us? Because if inflation comes down, then the Fed will stop raising interest rates. And they say that it has come down from 9.1 to 7 point something. But that doesn't mean anything because it's still 7 point something. And it should be, too. So inflation is still way, way, way out of whack. And they're saying we got to wait till February to find out if the Fed goes up another 50 basis points, which is a half a point interest point, or 25 basis points, quarter basis point. And that and somehow will tell them whether they believe that it's a good time to invest or not invest, which to me is all kind of hogwash. Um. That's one aspect of it. The another aspect of it is I, as I've, you know, just drilling through all this stuff, was that there's a group of people out there that believe that we are on the edge of a recession, and there's a lot of pointers out there that point towards the fact that we're headed towards a recession. And then you've got your positive guys who say, "Nah, well, I don't think we'll go. I think we'll have a soft landing and not hit recession." But a lot of the pointers are showing that they're estimating the GDP will be down both nationally and globally in 2023. Employment, which has been very high, which is really what's kept us out of a a recession, quote unquote, what they would call a recession, uh, even though it has hit what they would quote unquote call a recession by definition, they're saying it's not really a recession because there's too much employment. Things are too good. So employment is starting to drop and unemployment is starting to occur. And they're saying, look, If this unemployment occurs, if there's a recession, if there's a pullback, and they're showing all the places where there's already seeing pullbacks, uh, then these types of situations will create a completely different environment um, for business and for real estate and so on and so forth. We've discussed what happens. My vision is that we are going into a recession. How deep? I have no idea because I'm listening to the same stuff you're listening to and they don't know. So. You can't get it from the naysayers. You have to come to your own conclusions. And my conclusions are on the street conclusions. What do I see? 
Well, I went looking at an expensive home the other day that was listed for $24 million. They dropped the price to $19 million. And um, so there you go. Our price is coming down. My real estate brokers in all of my real estate companies say the prices are coming down 10 20%, 10 15% maybe is what they're seeing. Uh, commercial brokers are saying the same thing around the around the um, the business, I guess is the way to say it. And um, as, as you, you, know, you look through this and you feel this, you say, well, what does that all really matter? And it really doesn't matter to me, except that if prices are going down, I think that's a good thing because I like to buy when prices are down. I don't like to buy when prices are up. Some people like to buy when prices are up because they feel like they're going to go up even higher. In other words, they're speculators. They're speculating prices will continue to rise and they're going to make some money on the rise. I'm not. I'm a counterintuitive kind of guy. I'm a, a contrarian. And to me, when the economy crashes and the prices go way down, that's the time to buy because you know it's all going to come back. You know, the one thing about a recession is that no recession has ever lasted more than six months to a year. And then you come back. You come back from it. The Fed knows how to get out of recessions. The Fed just has a hard time with inflation. And so, you know, you have the you have the situation where the, the Republicans won part of the, you know, they got the House. Now they control the House. And even though it's a marginal control, it's still going to create, you know, a slowdown in Biden's approach. And you see Biden's already starting to change his approach to run for president again. He's starting to go to the center, away from the left. Um, but again, all of that, all of that just says, okay, who cares? Because you have money. That money's in your pocket. You have to invest that money or not invest that money. Many of you don't invest it at all. You stick it somewhere where it's earning nothing. There's no cash flow. So you've got money that's doing nothing for you. You have no money coming in passively, whereas about 90% of my money coming in is passive. It's not what you have in life. It's what you do with what you have in life that makes the biggest difference. I think that's a great saying. And, you know, a lot of people get up every day and say, well, I have to get up and go to work. I have to get up and do this. I have to struggle. I have to suffer. In their mind, it's necessary to do all that, to struggle, to get through the day, to barely pay your bills or to pay your bills and barely be able to pay for your college for your kids or to pay your bills and pay your college. And have a hard time taking care of your aging parents. I mean, you know, it's just one thing after another. They all add up. And it all builds up to creating a life of quiet mediocrity. I don't know how many of you get up one day and say to yourself, wow, is this all there really is? I get up every day. I put the same pants on, the same underwear on, the same shirt on. I get up. Eat the same breakfast, drink the coffee, get in my car, drive to the same job. Fight with customers or not fight with customers, whatever you do in your particular business. And then get back in that car and drive through that traffic again. Get home and be exhausted and find that you don't have the time for the kids and what the kids are doing and the, the, the husband or the wife, whoever the worker is, the other one, whatever they're doing, or just passing in the night, passing in the evening, not really getting together. 
not really raising your kids, just watching them grow up. I mean, all that stuff. And then there's other people that just have it just unbelievable that they see the world as a giant opportunity that they can't get enough of. That's the difference, right, between these two types of people. So let's see what makes that happen. I'm going to read this. Somebody sent me this by grabbing it off of Facebook. Okay, so I didn't grab this off Facebook. Somebody else grabbed it off Facebook. They sent it to me because, Dell, you should see this is pretty good. So I'm reading from you. Reflecting today on the sixth anniversary of my retirement from a great engineering career, in mid-2014, I thought I was well on my way to retiring when I joined Lifestyles. Our net worth was good by most people's standards. All I needed to do was to work another 10 years, and we would be fine. Much of my surprise, I found that I had replaced my income after two and a half years. In six years of retirement now, my network has tripled, roughly tripled, and our income continues to grow and be excellent in spite of the fact that we have been living on passive income for six years. So the point he's trying to make is he's living off the income produced from his investments, and his income continues to grow. goes on and says, There are far too many people to thank, LU, management and employees, the mentors, the ops consultants, all of our great LUI friends, and, of course, my great leads that keep me retired. So this individual is a passive investor, meaning he doesn't even do the investments himself. He's invested in other people's syndications here at Lifestyle. There's a great sense of peace that comes from financial freedom. It really is all about the lifestyle. Yes, it is still rainbows and gumdrops. Best of all, you would have a happy new year. And then he's got a picture of his giant dog sleeping upside down with his feet up in the air. And that's exactly what my dog looks like and exactly the way he sleeps. His back is the funniest thing in the world. These big giant dogs sleep on their backs. It's cute. Love it. Well, there you go. There's someone who followed everything we said to do. Two and a half years later, retired. Six years later, he's tripled his net worth and still living a great life. And you see that and you go, wow, it sounds so easy. It is. I guarantee you it is easy when you do it within what I call an entrepreneurial opportunity. You say, what do you mean by that, Dell? It's not entrepreneurial opportunity. Entrepreneurial is where you take it on by yourself. You go out there, strike out into the world and try to make things happen on your own. An entrepreneurial opportunity is what we've set up here, where we have a giant sandbox that you can make sandcastles in. We have rules. You can't knock each other's sandcastle over. Uh, We have people to help you if you get stuck and don't know how to build the sandcastle quite right. We teach you about the foundation, how to build the foundation, how to put on different layers, how to build it, how to maintain it, how to protect it from storms. You know, I mean, that's what it is. You're inside of our protective shell of information, education, and experience, which makes what you're doing a heck of a lot easier, right? Um, Can you imagine if I was trying to learn to play guitar and I had Jimi Hendrix as a best friend? Any number of great guitarists, Jimmy Page, anybody, and Slash, and, and they were my friends, and they came over to my house, we played together. You don't think I wouldn't learn guitar really quick? 
I mean, it's just immense. They could teach you everything. And they could teach it to you instantly. And all you'd have to do is do what they say to do. The stupid person would go, ah, I don't really want to learn from them. I don't want I don't want to have Slash's style or Hendrick's style or Jimmy Ray Vaughan's style. I don't want my own style. And that's what people do. They go out and try to reinvent the wheel. So a story I want to share with you first. It's one I got over the phone. This is interesting. A guy sent me an email, says he wants to talk. He asked me if I could personally consult him, uh, which I don't do because that would be in direct conflict with my business, which is an education and mentoring business. And, you know, I send my clients to my business, right? Uh, but I said, but look, I'll give you some free information. It's, I give everybody free information. So tell me what your situation is, and I will work through it with you and give you some quick answers. Well, the guy, I called him. He couldn't pick up. He called me back and said, I'm sorry, I couldn't pick up and we went back and forth two or three times on the phone and the guy's excuse for this was he's getting like you know free advice from a mega millionaire right he's too busy he's got too many things going on in his business that he didn't have time to sit down to ask the questions necessary to solve the problems on a failing business and so finally today early in the morning we found time for him to get to me. When we come back from the break, I'm going to share with you uh, his situation and what there is to be learned by it. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. roadmap to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. What is Del Wamsley, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, up to in today's market? I'm out there right now looking and buying everything I can get my hands on for a better deal. A better deal than what I could get it for a week before. And I'll just keep buying. I did that back in 2008. I bought a property worth $35,000 a door. I bought it for $26,000 a door. Next month or so, I bought the same age property. And I bought it for like $19,000 a door. But by buying at 26 when they were getting killed from 35 down to 26, buying at 26, let the broker know I was a buyer in a downward spiraling market. And so... From that point on, I bought three or four more. I can't remember exactly. I, mean, I think it was four more I bought from there. And the brokers were just bringing them to me. Go, look, you seem to be the only guy buying right now. Are you ready to take advantage of the wave of opportunity coming to those who know what they're doing? Join us for the free online workshop at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're discussing uh, a couple stories. Uh, one good one, which we've already covered, and two more difficult situations. And we're trying to learn something from the situations. And I'm trying to share them not to point at or belittle someone in particular, but because there's a lot to be learned from these situations. So the gentleman I'm talking about now uh, finally got a hold of me 
and we discussed the situation. And what he's got is he went ahead and bought a couple commercial buildings. He's in the oil field services business, and he was in a situation where he got an opportunity to build, buy some commercial buildings from, I believe, a company that he worked for before, um, big, big oil field service companies that was cutting back, I guess, and he got the buildings from them. And he started a business in one of them, and the other building just sat there vacant. And so now he's in a situation where he's losing like $100,000 a month and going out of business. But he just, I don't know that he even knows he's going out of business. I think he gets it. But as I was speaking with him, you know, he had contacted me because what he wanted to do was to try to refinance out of the hard money loan he had that he had bought these two buildings on. And he, in his conversation, he said he didn't want to sell the building. It's a good building. Well, what good is a good building that's sitting empty? And he had said he tried to lease it, and he couldn't lease it. And then I, I started asking him about a couple things, and I would share these couple things with you. And I'm going to go through what I shared with him because maybe somebody out there will hear it, and it will help them benefit them in their problem with their business. But secondly, I want you to understand that this is going to happen a lot. There's a lot of businesses right now that I don't know if you ever heard this saying that when the harbor's full, all boats float. But if we start having a recession, there's going to be a lot of businesses that are just going to get hammered and they're going to go out of business. And the real estate that houses these businesses, a la apartment complexes, uh, are going to become available for sale in fire sale type situations. So, you know, I asked the guy, what do you do in your business? I mean, he said, well, I do. I help these guys and help those guys and help those and put out fires and put this. But I said, look, it sounds like you're the jack of all trades, but the master of none. What I've not heard you talk about is financials. And so he goes, well, I'm not very good at that. I said, well, that is business. The financials are the business. There is no business without, you know, financials. Uh, there's an old saying, uh, there's no mission without a margin. And whatever the mission is to get up every day and go to work for, there's no reason to do it if there's no profit margin, right? And if you're losing $100,000 a month, I mean, to me, that's negative reason to get out of bed in the morning. That's like, hey, this thing should go away. But he didn't. And so I started asking him about what was his sales, and he kind of didn't, you know, he had an idea, you know, it's kind of between this and this. And I said, are they going up or are they going down? Well, you know, and a little wishy-washy on that. Uh, I could tell that he it wasn't at the tip of his thought process. Then I said, look, you got fixed expenses and variable expenses. I assume the business you have, you got all kinds of variable expenses. And remember, oil field service business, you are building things, fixing things, repairing things, and you're all over the world doing this. Wherever they need you to go to fix a rig or to fix a, a plant or to fix something, you got to go. And so you've got massive travel and, and overhead or massive variable expenses for each project you do. And, and then you have fixed expenses. He goes, yeah, that's the problem why I can't, I can't cut back is because there's too much fixed expenses. And I said, I understand that. I said, but do you realize that I've seen people in the past have projects? In other words, you send out one projects that you have not done a cost analysis on. And literally it costs you more to do that project then what you're going to make from that project, your net profit off that particular project is going to be a loss. He goes, yeah, 
I have stuff like that, but I have to do it because I need the volume because I have so much overhead. Without the volume, I can't stay in business. Well, you don't pay the bills with volume. You don't pay the bills with gross sales. You pay the bills of the fixed expenses out of the profit from the marginal income slash expenses slash profit projects. And this is not uncommon for people that don't understand business to miss this. They're thinking, if I lose enough money in enough different projects, I've got enough sales, I can make it. If I could just get more sales and more business and more projects. But that's not the way business actually works. Business is about the bottom line. What do you get to keep out of all that is what it really comes down to, right? So in this particular case, the gentleman didn't really have any of the answers. And I said, well, look, you contacted me because you wanted me to see if I could get you a new mortgage or get you investors to invest into this project to save the day. I said, you have to understand, number one, as your consultant, if I were your consultant, I would never consult you to put more debt on a project that's already losing money. Number two, no bank is going to give you that money. He says, yeah, you're right. Nobody will give me the money. And I said, so that is just a non sequitur. That is not even in the equation. You cannot get more debt to try to save this project. I said, number two, investors. I said, I would be remiss if I asked anybody to invest in this project. You have no idea if you're ever going to pull out of this. You have no idea if you're going to be broke. In fact, you probably are broken, just that haven't realized it yet. If you look at all of your statements and everything, you're, you're probably just hanging on by the hair and you're going to be gone. So putting investors into that situation isn't going to solve the problem. So he had to go. He had to run again. And so I couldn't finish with him. But I left him with this. I said, here, you know, here's the short and skinny of it. You need to sell this building, at least that one building, uh, if you want to keep the other one. If your business isn't making money, you need to shut it down and stop losing $100,000 a month. That's the short of it. Now, that's not what somebody wants to pay somebody to consult them to say. If I were really consulting him, I'd actually go in and look at his financials. Oh, yeah, one other thing he said, I said, you know, you're losing money. He goes, yeah, I think somebody's stealing from me. And that's when I knew he wasn't reading his financial statements. There's no way you can read your financials and have somebody steal from you. You you have to know what your margins are. You have to know if I'm getting a check from XYZ company for this work, what that work co was costed out at, and what is my profit on that. And that should be able to show on that particular costing uh, a profit. This guy doesn't understand cost accounting is what it comes down to. And by the way, if you go to college for cost accounting, it's a whole segment of business, of education. It's a whole portion of accounting. You could actually even be an accountant and not be good at cost accounting. It's a specialty type thing. Now, to become a CPA, you have to have at least a margin of uh, knowledge in this area and be able to test out of it. But it's really something you need to know. As a business person, cost accounting in that kind of a business is everything. My point, as we bring this to an end, is that this gentleman will probably go out of business and those two buildings will go on the block under fire sale situation. Final point I want to make from that is there's going to be a lot of those kinds of businesses that are not operated very well that are going to fail in the near future here if there's a recession. So in that case, we want to be looking for those. The next one is a member of Lifestyles.
And I'm going to read this to you, and I'm not going to give you his name or anything or where it's where he lives or any of that stuff because, you know, I didn't even ask to use this. But I think it's very, very beneficial people learn hear stuff like this. It says, uh, good morning. Getting my first property was exciting. Unfortunately, things didn't go as planned. Now I have some choices to make, and I was hoping you could give me some of your insight, seeing as how you may have experienced a situation similar to this. We've got our staff looking at this right now, and we're trying to figure out what we can do to maybe help the guy or help the guy get out of this situation. Uh, It goes on and says, I wanted to point out that the issues I'm experiencing are a result of my negligence, and I take full responsibility and accountability. Well, that's that's the first step in anything is if you can admit that, you know, hey, there was some negligence there, and you realize you made a mistake, then there's a possibility you can move on in life. And I think this is a very young individual also, so there's a possibility for him to you know, move past this and, and get on with his life. It says, I'm at a point where I just want to wash my hands clean with this and move forward by doing things the correct way. You will see numerous times where I went the wrong way, as I explained. The property was purchased in December of 2021, and foundation guy came and finished the work by January 4th. They left a pile of wood in the front yard. Unbeknownst to me, the city of blank happened to drive by and see this. This led them to red tag the property because the GC didn't include permits in the bid, nor did he pull them first before he started. I didn't understand this at the time, but I should have made sure that was done. Another thing I forgot to do before work started was signing the contract with the GC. Uh, this will hurt me, as you'll see later. Um, all right. I don't think that if you've never done this before, that you would understand that there's got to be permits in different cities. I mean, every city in the country is different. Every county in the country is different. And for what you have to pull permits for and what you don't have to pull permits for. Uh, but it's definitely something that you should check. All right. So if you don't know that now, now you know that it takes permits to do just about anything uh, that is going to change or uh, alter the condition of a home or an apartment complex. So he didn't pull the permits. Number two, he didn't sign the contract. And it's interesting, would be interesting to read the contract and see if it said that the guy would pull permits in the contract. Uh, by not signing the contract and the guy didn't pull the permits, then that let him off the hook. If it would have said he needed to pull the permits, uh, that would have been another story. Now, here's an alternate or a additional problem with this. The guy's a general contractor. General contractors are broke. That's how they live. They live from job to job to job, and they usually rob Peter to pay Paul. They're usually taking your money up front to finish the job that they've already spent the money on that they got paid for up front on the last deal. So rule number one with a general contractor, I'll give you rule one and rule two. Rule one, never give them money up front. Rule two, always have a contract. Uh, absolutely imperative, right? Goes on and says, for the next six weeks, the GC is getting the permits and doesn't start work until the middle of February. The city's permit inspector took their precious time. But what made all this a headache was the fact that the inspector required the work to be done again since it wasn't done correctly the first time. So there we go. That's what I missed. I was looking for. So here we go. Not only did they do the foundation work, they had to do it again, right? 
So that's double the cost. Now, now the GC's broke. You realize no matter what you gave him to do the project or start the project or whatever, which I'd say you don't pay up front, many general contractors, they look at you and they, they make you pay half up front or whatever or some portion up front uh, to do the work. So, you know, you kind of look at it like how trustworthy are them they are and how they look at you, how trustworthy you are, et cetera, et cetera, and it's a negotiation. But either way, now he has to do it again. The cost of doing it again doubles the cost of doing the work. I later found out that it was because GC was hiring unlicensed idiots and have no crew anymore. Again, I don't know any of this. Again, I didn't know any of this. But at that point, other than plumbing and gas work, I didn't know any of this. But at this point, other than the plumbing and gas work, the paint work, external and internal drywall and new windows were done. So it looks like everything but the foundation. Other than, uh, what did it say? Other than plumbing and gas lines. Okay, that's pretty big. But all this took up uh, until October of 22. So think about this. This is 10 months later. He said, yes, eight months. I guess he said it was eight months from the second time they started. This whole thing, by the way, eight months to October is not January to October is 10 months, guy. Uh, This whole time, it was my understanding that the reason for this wait was because the city that was the GC kept saying, I'm waiting for the inspector uh, to approve the plumbing. Uh, so when they finally approved the plumbing and the gas lines, the GC told me, okay, good news, plumber has approved. We can move on the subflooring, and after that, we'll need another payment to finish the rest. Well, you can understand what happened. He gave him $15,000. The guy hit the wind. It was gone. He never saw him again. Well, I hope you learned something today, and remember this. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more of Dell's unconventional wisdom? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and click the radio tab. Listen to past shows, hear podcasts on demand, and find out how you can change your life today. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show is part of the Lifestyles Unlimited Radio Network. The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.